All right, if you're visiting with us, with us, let me explain. We usually are very organized around here and have everything planned out months in advance and know exactly what we're doing. It's a very rare day when we get our wires crossed like we did tonight on uh, song leading, but it worked out fine. Now, does anybody have a topic they'd like me to preach about? <laughs> yes, Genesis 24, Alrighty, Let's go to Genesis 24 and see what that's about. Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are working on uh, uh, faith walkers. Been studying different people, especially trying to clean up the ones in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrew, uh, the Hall of Faith. And we've worked on a lot of those, and that's one reason we took Isaac. Uh, we're on our fourth week on Isaac. I said Isaac didn't have a whole lot of really exciting things in his life, but he is mentioned in Hebrews 11, and I think we've learned a few lessons from him. Uh, most of his exciting stuff happened before he was born or when he was a very young uh, boy, so that kind of doesn't count on his faith a whole lot. But the last couple that we've talked about have been involved him, and tonight uh, we're going to talk about Isaac and Rebecca. Uh, Isaac married Rebecca, and I think that's a story that's got a few faith walker points in it. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll spend just a little bit of time on him blessing his sons, Jacob and Esau. All right, Isaac and Rebecca, back page of your handout if you picked up one of those coming in. And most of the story that we'll start with is in Genesis 24. Uh, but before we get to the story, I just thought I would put a little bit in there about... The, the symbolism of this story. Uh, one source I was reading talked about this some, and I thought, well, somebody might be interested in that and thinking about that, this story in that way. Uh, you may have heard of types and anti-types and things in the New Testament represented by something in the Old Testament and a type, uh, kind of a prophetic symbol looking ahead to something. Uh, this story of Isaac getting his wife, Rebecca. Uh, many people say that's a type of Christ in his church, and the story kind of resembles that and looks forward to it. So I just put the, the characters on there if you want to think through it in your own time and meditate on that a little bit and say, yeah, I can see how that uh, kind of prophetically symbolizes what was going to happen. Uh, probably one of the most famous examples of types and anti-types in the, the Bible is in First Peter 3. Uh, where Peter says uh, the ark and Noah was like baptism. And if you've been uh, in the Church of Christ very long at all, I bet you've heard a sermon or two uh, about Noah and the ark and how that compares to salvation today. Uh, lots of things line up real nicely there to illustrate it. Uh, and I just thought we might look at First Peter Three there before we start into our story of Isaac and Rebecca. First uh, Peter three, uh, verse twenty. Yeah, uh, talks about the days of Noah at the end of verse twenty. It says the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. 
not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Now, what Peter's talking about is people suffering and still coming through it. And so he uses Christ as an example, how Christ died. And then he talks about the ark and how it symbolizes baptism. Obviously, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives obeyed God. God told Noah, I'm going to make it rain. Uh, nobody had seen rain as far as we know, but he said, I'm going to make it rain and destroy everything, and you need to build a big boat uh, to save you and preach to other people to get into the boat. Well, he did for hundred some years probably, and nobody else wanted to get in. Nobody else believed it. The family got in the ark. The water came through the water when it was gone on the other side. They were saved. Now, the water itself didn't save them, but it's a, a picture there of when you obey God, it, he'll take care of you. He will save you. Okay. Now, obviously, we're not going to preach that whole sermon, but you can just as an example, you can see how that would work. Um, and Peter goes on and says it's not about washing the body. That, that's not why we go into baptism. But it's, it makes a good conscience. Well, what makes a good conscience? When do your children have a good conscience? When they've obeyed. When they do what you've requested of them. And when they haven't done it, you don't have a good conscience. Well, God said, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. So when we do that, we have a good conscience. And then he goes on to explain, it's not the, really the water. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the saving power. But the obedience comes when you do what God says and through water and water's involved. And that's like the ark as a type and an antitype. So uh, if you want to use that for study of Isaac and Rebecca and all of that, go right ahead. And maybe it'll help you see some things that you hadn't seen before. All right. Let's talk about how Isaac got this wife, Rebecca. And we're going to start in chapter 24 and read the first few verses, and then we'll skip most of it. But the first few verses are interesting. Uh, Abraham's still alive. Now, don't get confused, because last week we jumped ahead to when Abraham was already dead. But Abraham's still alive in this chapter. And he was old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Okay, now the hand under the thigh thing is something we don't understand. Uh, it's a was a custom then that an intimate touch like that was you were swearing that it would be right. You were vowing to do whatever you were promising to do. It was a serious pledge. So that's what Abraham was asking his servant Eliezer to do, and he did. But he asked a question first, verse 5. The servant asked, uh, what if the woman's unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Now, make sure you don't take my son back there, Abraham said. 
of the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He'll send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you're released from this oath. Uh, Don't take my son back there. So the servant put his hand into the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Okay, Abraham felt so strongly about God told him to go to this promised land that he didn't even want Isaac to go back to the old place. He said, no, this is our land. This is what God gave us. Isaac's got to stay here. But I want him to marry somebody that's not a Canaanite woman. So Eliezer go back and find this woman, and God will take care of it. Okay. Now, there were the standards. That was Abraham's standards. This woman's got to be from my people. These Canaanites around us are not godly. Okay. Now, I realize it's not exactly the same thing, but when you folks are picking spouses, we live a bunch, a bunch of Canaanites around us. Okay, there's a whole lot of Canaanites out there. Uh, find a godly man or a godly woman. That was Abraham's standard. No, we got to have somebody from our people. Understand Jehovah God. Not somebody that worships all these other gods or got other things going on. No, you'd, my son's got to have the right standard, and that was it, a godly woman. So, sent his servant off to do that, and... He relied on providence. He he didn't give any other details. And when the servant said, what if this doesn't work out? Abraham said, God will take care of it. Yeah, he'll he'll send an angel. Uh, He'll work things out just fine. And if he doesn't, then you're released from the oath. Uh, uh, He will send an angel before you. And we don't read anything else about that. We don't read anything about Gabriel showed up or anything like that. So uh, to me, this is more a matter of him trusting that God would take care of things. Uh, He referred to it as an angel will go before you. And if you want to refer to it today, that's fine with me. If you want to talk about God's providence as an angel took care of that for me, I'm okay with that. Uh, Some people might say, I don't know. I don't know what angels do. Well, I don't know what angels do either, but I know what their purpose is. Uh, Hebrews 1.14 says angels are ministering servants. They minister to those who are saved. So I don't know how they do it or (laughs) when they're operating or anything else, but if you want to call it the providence of God, you want to say there's an angel went before me and took care of that, that's all the same thing. God works things out the way he wants to. Abraham trusted him that much. Go back. It'll work out. You'll get a wife for Isaac. Okay. Now, the the rest of the story is that, uh, well, we'll read a little bit more here, I guess. Uh, Go from 10 down a little ways. So the servant, 10, took ten of his master's camels and left. So it must have been a fairly long trip. uh, Taking him all kinds of good things from his master. And he set out and he made his way to the town of Nahor. Now Nahor was Abraham's brother's name. 
find out later. So they named it was his town. Uh, and he got there. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. And remember all the well stories that are involved in uh, Isaac and Abraham and all of that going on. Uh, it was toward evening, and the t- it was the time the women go out to draw water. So here's his prayer. Now the servant's getting in on it. He prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you've chosen for your servant Isaac. But this I will know, by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Other places in the Bible, it's called putting out the fleece. (laughs) This is the way I want you to verify that this is the right one. Now, that may sound kind of complicated to you. But Eliezer is evidently a faith walker. He really thinks God takes care of things. Abraham told him he would. Well, the Azer says, all right, here's the test. Now, that doesn't seem like a real strange test, but it is because if you were hospitable in that day, you gave a drink to a human. But you didn't have to feed all the camels, too, or water all the camels. That was over and above. So that's what Eliezer was looking for here, something unusual that only God could cause would be the kind of woman that God was approving of and sent to him, and he'd know that was the one. So Rebecca shows up, verse 15. Had her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of her brother, Abram's brother Nahor. So she was technically Jacob's, or I mean Isaac's uh, second cousin, her cousin once removed. She was the daughter of his cousin, which was fairly common practice back then. So uh, she was very beautiful. She was virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. So the servant came out and did his little thing. Give me a little water from your jar. She said, drink, my lord, and lowered the jar for him. And after he had had his drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too till they finish drinking. So she started off drawing water for the camels and got them all watered. Well, Eliezer knew he had his had the one here. Uh, so then he started bringing out the presents. Brought out a gold ring and gold uh, neck, uh, bracelets. Uh, and then he started asking questions. Well, whose daughter are you? And she gave him the short genealogy story. And he knew he was in the right family there. And so he told her the story. That here's what he was here for and all that. And Rebecca ran back home to her brother Laban and explained all of that. And Laban said, aha, guy out here giving gold away. Uh, this is a good guy. So I'm going to go meet him. And Laban turns out later to be kind of uh, deceitful. We'll find you know, if we study uh, uh, Jacob, uh, his life story, he gets in trouble with Laban. Anyhow servant gets back to the house and he tells the whole story all over again. Verse 34 through 48 or so, he repeats everything we just talked about. Uh, So you don't have to read that part right now. Go home and read it. Anyhow, they make the deal. uh, 
Eliezer explains to them, to her dad and to her brother, what the plan is and uh, that this, this, this is God's plan and all that. And after he's explained all of it, uh, the people or the folks there say, this is from the Lord. Verse 50, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or another. Here's Rebecca, take her and go. Let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. So he convinced them. There's a little quiz about whether she could stay a little longer, whether she can go immediately, but she goes uh, and they get back to where Jacob is. Isaac, I mean. I'm having trouble keeping Isaac and Jacob straight here. Okay, let's go down to verse 62. Uh, now, Isaac had come from Beer Laha Roy, where he was living in the Negev, and he went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He's my master, the servant answered. So he took, she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done, and Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. All right, there's the story. Now, a couple of interesting things in here, and I really want us to think about this wedding deal. Uh, first of all, when she covered herself, she put her veil down. That was customary then. Uh, once you were betrothed, you did your... Uh, Fiance didn't see you until the marriage, and we still carry that over some today. Some brides wear a veil down the aisle and lift it up when they're given away to the the groom, and all that. Well, that's where this came from. It's the custom back then. But but what I really want you to notice is the order of things. Okay. Now this was an arranged marriage. Let's call it that, because it was. Abraham told a servant, you go find a wife for my son from my family, and you bring her here. They didn't know each other. They hadn't done any e-harmony stuff. They didn't know anything about each other. And they show up, and the wife, the future wife, covers herself up, veils herself. So he doesn't even know what she looks like. That makes me a little nervous, guys. But that's what was going on here. He didn't even know what she looked like. But look what happened. He accepted her because God had set this up. He had faith in that. Father Abraham had taken care of things. He brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah. He married her. And then he got to see her. And she became his wife. And he loved her. See that order? He didn't love her before he married her. Does that sound backwards to anybody? We think it's backwards, don't we? Well, we think you've got to fall in love, and that's why you get married. Now, let's, let's go on down to the Faith Walker application, because the only application i got tonight is about this arranged marriage thing. Because I think there's a whole lot of Lessons about faith and about love in there. Anybody in here, would you ever consider an arranged marriage? Never see them? Just somebody say, all right, I found your husband for you. Here he is. 
I found your wife for you. Here she is. That's so foreign to our mentality that we think, oh, that'll, that'll never work. You got to figure out what you got in common. You got to be in love. You got to do all this. Well, it worked. Why did it work? Well, number one, God was involved. I guess that's a G-harmony or something. He, he, he took care of this. He knew this was a good match, I believe. That's what Abraham allowed, planned for. That's what he allowed for. That's what Isaac went along with. It's okay if God sent me this girl, she's the one. Okay. But even more important than that, I think, is the, what, what love really is. Now, I'm not promoting <laughs> arranged marriages. I'm not saying it's what we ought to do. But if you think about it, if you understand what love is, why wouldn't they work? Now, a lot of them do, by the way. There are a lot of people in the world that still do arranged marriages. Okay. I don't know how happy they are. I don't know all the details of it, but they work to some degree or another. But if you really think about the definition of love, why wouldn't arranged marriages work? Love is a decision of the will. It's not about physical beauty. It's not about any of the things that we base love on a lot in this society. It's a decision that I want the best for this person, and I'm going to give myself for this person. If two people did that, shouldn't it work? I realize it's kind of hypothetical. I realize none of you are buying this story, that, <laughs> that you want to try and arrange marriage. I'm just wanting you to think about what love is. Seems to me... Arranged marriages ought to work, and it did in this case. He took her into his mother's tent, he married her, got to see her then, and he loved her. Things worked pretty good. Okay, so that's the story of Isaac and Rebecca, and you can uh, consider an arrange. I don't know, I even know how you would go about arranging one today, but you can figure that out if you want to. All right, now let's jump over to 27. The last thing we'll talk about Isaac, and this is the blessing of his boys. And the reason we want to talk about this briefly is this is what got him in Hebrews 11. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed his two boys, Jacob and Esau. Okay? And we're not going to talk about it too long because I really don't understand it real well. It's kind of a strange story. And I... I can't explain real well to myself even how faith was involved and why he got mentioned in Hebrews 11 for it because he got tricked. It's Like I said, it's kind of a strange story. And I, I'm assuming that all of us know it so well that I'm not going to go through it in detail. If you don't know it, go home and read Genesis 27 and over into 28 just a little bit. But here's what's going on. And we'll read a few pieces of it as we go through. First of all, let's go to the end of chapter 26 and look at the family. Now Esau, remember he had already sold his birthright to Jacob. 
So God was going to bless Jacob and give him the inheritance. Now here's the rest of Esau's story. When Esau was 40 years old, he married two different Hittite women. In verse 35, they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Okay, so Esau had a messed up family. He'd married two Canaanite women, which he shouldn't have done. And he was a source of grief to his parents. Okay, now Rebekah obviously favored Jacob over Esau, which is another problem. Messes a family up. So there's all sorts of things going wrong here. Uh, And then chapter 27 verse 1 says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. I'm an old man. I I don't know the day of my death. Uh, Get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country, hunt some wild game for me, and prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you your blessing before I die. Okay, Isaac, or uh, yeah, uh, Isaac thinks he's about to die here. He, he wasn't real accurate on this. He, he was 137 when he did this, and he lived 41 more years. But he thought he was going. Okay, he's a little tougher than he thought he was. Uh, he thought the end was near, so he said, "Esau, go fix me my favorite meal." Some wild game, some good venison, and then I'll give you your blessing. He intended to bless Esau as the firstborn. That was his plan. Now, Rebecca's part in it was she was listening around the corner, and she wanted Jacob to have the blessing. Of course, we also know God wanted Jacob to have the blessing. So that's all involved in here somehow. God's working things out maybe is the best explanation. But Rebecca says, okay, the blessing's coming. We've got to get it. So and back in those days, Father's blessings had great power. They kind of settled things. So Rebecca spends this big deal. We'll dress you up in Esau's clothes. I'll fix something and make it taste like venison. You can take it into him. We'll fool him and you'll get the blessing and... Voila, believe it or not, it worked. Uh, he's, Isaac was a little skeptical. He asked a few questions, but he finally bought it and decided it was Esau. So in verse 28, he blessed Jacob with what he intended to give to Esau. And here's what he said in verse 28. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you. And peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And those who bless you be blessed. All right, there was his blessing on Jacob, which he meant to give to Esau. Now, the rest of the story is Esau, of course, shows up a little bit later and says, Here I am, ready for my blessing. And he says, Well, who who was that I just blessed? And we figure out that we got tricked here. Esau is not happy. Esau is going to kill Jacob for it. In fact, it's his plan. Uh, in fact, his plan is, as soon as we get through with daddy's funeral, I'm going to kill that boy. Okay. Well, he, he had 41 years to wait for that, uh, so he didn't ever get it done, but that was his plan. Uh, but he begs for a blessing. And in verse uh, 39... Here's the best that Isaac can do because the blessing had already been given. This had settled things. 
So here's what he did for Esau. He said, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You'll live by the sword. You'll serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. All right. Esau's descendants battled the Israelites all the time and occasionally would throw off the, the rule of the Israelites. Um, so it worked out just like he said. But that's the blessing, is, or that's what's going to happen. You're going to live by the sword and you'll serve your brother. Okay. So he set out to, he decided he was going to kill Jacob. Rebecca found out about that and sent Jacob over to, back to her brother Laban uh, to hide out for a while. And he ends up finding a wife there, and that's a whole other story. Um, okay, like I said, I really can't explain why that's called, by faith, Isaac did this. Uh, because he wasn't doing exactly what God wanted. Oh, he did do what God wanted, but he hadn't planned to. So I really can't explain it beyond the fact that God's working things out. Uh, he had it planned and settled and done. Now, the other troublesome part is Jacob. Why did he do this? Why did he go along with Rebecca? And why did Rebecca do it? I guess just because they're human. It had already been settled. When he sold his birthright, God had said, Jacob's going to get the blessings. He's the one that I'm going to favor. But Rebecca and, and, and Jacob decide, all right, we're going to mess in this. And maybe that's the big lesson of this story, is every time we mess with God's plan, we mess things up. Now, God still got it his way. Jacob did get the blessing. And he did have the 12 tribes, and Israel came through him and all of that. Everything worked out that way. But look at the rest of his life. What a mess. Because he was deceitful, because he tried to mess with God's plan, he never saw his mother again after this. He had to flee Brother Laban's house. He never saw his mom again. Esau hated him, hunted him, wanted to kill him. Uh, Laban caused him all sorts of grief. I don't know if we'll do Jacob's story or not, but you know that one well enough, Leah and Rachel. Uh, he was exiled from his family. Couldn't go home. Uh, his family, to talk about a dysfunctional family, look at Jacob's family. Did we? I think maybe we did Jacob last time we did faith walkers. If not, we'll, we'll check on it. But he, of course, he had the 12 boys and they sold poor Joseph and all kinds of messes going on there. So when we mess with God's plan, it causes consequences, even though God still works out the deal that he wanted. Jacob got the blessing, but he and Rebecca messed a whole lot of things up by trying to help somehow. So, And we've seen that in a lot of other faith walkers' story. All right, well, think about the arranged marriage. See if you want to go for that. Some of you teens can talk to Toby if you want him to arrange a marriage for you. We'll find you a good girl somewhere. Good boy. Maybe your parents could help with that. They probably already got suggestions. All right, that's the end of Isaac. We'll uh, tackle another topic in a couple of uh, next week. Uh, remember, two weeks from, three weeks from now is... Uh, Area-wide worship, October 27th. We won't be here on that night, so plan ahead for that and 
see you up the road at Valley Center High School. The lesson is yours. If you have any need to respond to the Lord's invitation tonight, we're going to invite you to do that. Uh, let's stand and sing.